0: Everyone And welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 55, the big announcement episode, recorded June 3rd, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week we have, uh, I have an announcement, and we have announcements from from uh, the Mint community and from the For- Fedora community, uh, as well as our usual spate of um whimsical nothingness and linux news and with me to help me with the whimsical nothingness and the linux news are our regular co-hosts of the show beginning with the command line godfather mr chris neves how are you christopher
1: oh i'm doing all right how's things in tv land today
0: so far so good and mr seth anderson the gooey kid hello gooey
2: Yo, Big Cheese and Command Line Godfather. Uh, we did the we ever come cheese. with a good nickname for you, Mark? I know we tried several but yeah, they, none of them seemed to stick. Yeah,
0: I don't know. There was uh there were a couple of options. I think pork chop was the uh the leading candidate at one point. Um yeah. I I don't know that. When you were just
1: How, how about the big when, the big dog? The big beefy <laughs> dog. <laughs> <laughs> the old
0: beast.
2: Well, when it was yeah, when it was just the Tightwad Tech, you were the Tightwad in chief. Right. But you know, are you you're like the head opiate or something? I don't know.
0: I'm t- well, I'll work on that. So I'm telling you, what I am right now is a roasted all beef patty because my air conditioner, even though it's 83 degrees and 70 percent humidity, keeps turning itself off. I'm not sure what's going on there. It'll run for a while and then shut off, and that's not a good thing. That's not what you want an air conditioner to do when it's hot.
2: No. Right? No, that's totally bad. agree with you.
0: So I, I'm, totally I'm not agree. sure what the deal is. It's probably got crud and, and water and stuff caked up in it and it's cooling off or something. I mean, uh, uh, freezing up. I don't know. But uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's one of the ironical yeah. things. Ironical? Yes, I said that. Ironical. It's so one of the ironic things about air conditioning is uh, when they freeze up, they stop working. But you kind of want an air conditioner to freeze up. That's the whole point of air conditioning is to freeze up. Yes,
2: but if it Usually. worked too well, you would never have to use it again so uh, maybe I don't know That's, cause
1: you'd be frozen solid
0: That <laughs> I don't even where, know they, where to go with that one Seth usually I, I got well, you back don't, but on this one I got nothing
2: they don't want to start another ice age how yeah. about that okay. it's part of the global warming conspiracy
0: you know i read somewhere i was doing some because i'm a geek and and i'm a, and i like making bacon and i put those two things together i was t- reading up on building your own um large uh, walk-in cooler uh and uh you know like if i want to hang a side of beef or if i want to make you know 50 pounds of bacon i need a cool place to keep it and my little igloo cooler just isn't cutting it uh, so what i've been uh what, what I found out is that your average, like, window unit air conditioner can can co- get a room uh, of, like, 6 by 8, you know, the size of the pod pod here, down to 20 below, you know. But it's the way they're set up. The compressor, in terms of BTU, it has the capacity to do it, but they're not set up with, uh, with the, the brakes to keep it from uh, uh, freezing and burning out the condenser and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so the, huh. there's a company that makes a controller device that you basically hack into your the the electronics of your existing window unit and plug this controller device in and it turns your window unit air conditioner into a commercial grade cooler.
1: Wow. Wow. That would be handy.
0: Now the uh That's pretty cool. the controller device is fifteen hundred dollars. So you gotta be serious about wanting to do this. Uh, so you buy, a, you buy a $300 air conditioner, a $1,500 controller, but then what you get is a, you know, a, a $100,000 commercial grade cooler.
2: Wow. So you buy like a couple of them for spares just to have, and you still come <laughs> out way ahead.
0: Yeah. Cause I saw some pictures of guys online or done it. They just built a room, um, just out of. You know, plywood. Uh, they they recommended six inches of foam insulation, so uh, not not fiberglass, but foam. So plywood, six inches of foam insulation, plywood, and then just like some metal racks from like like you see it uh, those rolling racks that you see at uh, restaurants or restaurant supply stores uh, that you can pick right. up pretty cheap. And and you've got this big walk-in cooler. These were like hardcore hunters who would go go out and bag like four or five deer on a weekend and had to have some place to put them. So uh, that was kind of a cool thing.
1: I would want to make yeah. my bed in there, I think, and sleep. <laughs> I would definitely keep my house at a nice, even sub-zero temperature. Yes. Uh, that doesn't have anything to For do with Linux. Language. Maybe
0: we could say the controller is run by Linux and nobody's ever going to yeah, check you- us out. No, our audience would check us out and call us, call us a liar. Well,
2: we could challenge There's our a chance audience. That it could be, though. Yeah, we could challenge our audience to uh, develop a Linux OS specifically. That would be a great use for a Raspberry Pi. Mark, it could be the control <laughs>
3: unit.
0: Well, Seth, it's a good there. thing you brought up, the Raspberry <laughs> Pi. That that got us a, a, a perfect uh, segue. It's almost like you meant to do that. Into a couple of listener voicemails that I'm going to play for us here. Uh, if I can make it work without making all sorts of bad things happen. Let's see.
2: Well, uh, while you're know, doing Mark. that, I just want to thank our community for the feedback. We love hearing from you guys.
0: Yes, we do, indeed. Thank you. Feedback is good. The more the malaria or more something like that. Uh, so anyway, here we go with the, our first piece of voicemail from the intrepid Door-to-Door Geek. Spoon!
4: Hey, hey, hey guys, this is Austin uh, Lavenport, Door-to-Door Geek. No, Mark. I am I, I, not calling up to say you're wrong. What I will say is that you're thinking of it only as a um, first world problem. I'll say a first world guy. Um, if 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 it is only sold as a hobbyist thing in a uh, America, and, and that's all it ever is in a America, will not determine whether it's successful or not. Um, I think the world market is much more, um, let's say, needing of a device like this, and they're going to determine whether or not this is, quote-unquote, successful. But I will say it wouldn't shock me. It, it might take a year and a half, two years, but we will start seeing it here in this country. Most people, though, will know it because, because there will be a case on it, and there will be extra input-output devices on it. Uh, I can see it being sold uh, for very niche uses, I'll say, for very small tasks, but I do see it being successful here, but I don't see it being quote unquote successful here as just here's your Raspberry Pi without even a case on it kind of thing. So again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying you're thinking of it a little bit as a first world person. You gotta, you know, go a little bit further just just because it's not a shiny Apple device doesn't mean it's not successful or just because the Joneses don't have it doesn't mean it's not successful. Um, either way, uh, and Mark, I'm never saying you're wrong and Chris, the guru, and, uh, and the GUI kid, I'm never saying you guys are wrong because I like your show too much. <laughs> Please keep it up, guys. Oh, and don't forget, you have phone gap. If you can write HTML mobile j query which is not hard you can use phone gap one click of a button and you have yourself android and ios and blackberry apps (laughs) i'm not gonna say they're good because matters what you do but you know what i mean all right guys i'll talk to you later bye all
0: right well thank you door-to-door geek mr steve mclaughlin and first off it's totally okay to say we're wrong in fact we encourage you to say we're wrong um that way, we
1: as long as there's proof that we're wrong.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> strong evidence. Proof is a little too much, uh, too big a burden. But uh, oh,
1: okay, okay, yeah.
0: okay. Roteo, thank you, Roteo. He, he made me happy. He said I'm wrong. I'm wrong about saying this. You, you should say that I'm wrong. But I will say I'm not wrong about what what I said initially. Uh, Dor, I did say that the Raspberry Pi would be good as an embedded device. Um, and <laughs> Roteo, no, you're just wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> So uh I did I did say that in my uh, uh soliloquizing about it earlier uh is that I think it will be uh in a, in an, as an embedded device it will show up in other places uh but I don't think that the and, and and we could talk third world all you want but uh I'm framing it in the sense of our audience and as far as I know we don't have a lot of uh, uh South African school children listening to this show uh but in terms of relevance to our audience the Raspberry Pi is little more, if if nothing more, than a hobbyist device. And I stand by that statement. And, and regarding jQuery and HTML5, I've seen those apps. Uh, there's a reason that there are phone apps, because there's a big gap between what you can do on the web and what you can do in native code. So there we go. That was regarding building an Element OP app. Uh, he, he was suggesting I could do it myself in HTML5 and jQuery. Uh, the answer to that is no, I can't. <laughs> now, somebody on, else Mark. might be able to. In
1: all that free time you have. Right. Yeah,
2: you know, that would be a good, another good podcast, Building an Element OP app, episode 45, the whatever, the replay button.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's scintillating radio right there. I can't imagine how many people <laughs> would want to listen to that one.
2: Well, this time I tried this following code line, but it did not work because of these errors.
0: All right. And we do have one other piece of uh, voicemail from a fellow by the name of Mr. Gadgets. That's not actually the name on his birth certificate, but that's what he said he is known as. uh, And he wants to also take me to task about the Raspberry Pi. Settle down and get comfortable. This is a long one.
3: Hey, guys. uh, This is a call in for... The Everyday Linux program, uh, this is Bruce Barr, otherwise known, probably more widely known as Mr. Gadgets, amongst the uh, open source community, and uh, I was just calling in, I wanted to say how much I enjoy the show, and uh, hey, this is what I do, call in. Oh, also, congratulations, because you know, uh, there's not every show that manages to be able to get the Google Voice to connect to my mobile device. A lot of times in my mobile browser, the Google Voice stuff doesn't seem to work, but you guys have it down. So uh, Anyway, I wanted to call with a bit of quality uh, control, right? This is not to uh, make anybody feel bad, but actually it's uh, to reinforce. I lost track of who it was on the show when talking about the Raspberry Pi. That brought up the whole idea about what about uh, in education. That's actually what it's designed to do. It was actually created originally by people at Cambridge, which is a institute uh, well-known in the educational community. Uh, and it, the whole idea behind it is to have a computing platform that is so cheap that you can at least have one in every village, and the ultimate goal would be the true one computer per child and so its actual target market, if you will, is getting uh, individuals uh, in situations that have absolutely no computers at all access to a computer. Hopefully, each child would have their own at least SD card, if not their own little device. And it literally would not be what you said uh, where you would have a classroom with a screen and keyboard for each child. Quite often, it may be a situation where uh, that child is going to be the one keyboard and, uh, and mouse and display in the whole village. Uh, you know, there'd be some mesh networking, of course, that would be added to it to try to get the uh, villages connected. But with cellular, which is uh, more popular in uh, those kinds of uh, aspects of things. I know uh, one of you guys mentioned that you're living in rural Arizona and that uh, the data uh, situation there is not good. Uh, imagine what it's like on the original data kind of uh, Jeep MRS. Is that what it was? The original, you know, barely faster than uh, dial-in, but you couldn't even do dial-in because your village doesn't even have a wired phone. But you do have some kind of data coverage. Uh, It would be that kind of thing. Lots of downloading of files to one centralized Raspberry Pi machine that was a server.
0: And Google Voice cut him off. Three minutes is the limit, folks. Try to keep it under that. Uh, Seriously, that was a bit long. Uh, But he had a lot to say (laughs) there, and... Again, Raspberry Pi in India, his last thing there, actually, I think the reason Google cut him off was because he he tipped the absurd meter when he talked about using a Raspberry Pi as a server. That, uh, That was just so absurd that Google said, that's all right, you're done. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry Mr. Gadgets that's a ridiculous statement I know I know, that's bad radio I shouldn't be insulting my audience uh, but f- feel free to call me back and leave me another message and tell me in any reasonable world how a Raspberry Pi could be a server uh, but it, sh- it just ain't happening um, and yeah okay so maybe a kid pulls in their flash drive and they use it and it's good for the web I- I'm down with all that I get it honestly uh, but I still think that for only a little bit more, an, uh, a netbook could do more. So, yes, if you have nothing, then the Raspberry Pi is your bare bones nothing. It's it's for people who, ha- who have nothing. Okay. But is that going to set the world on fire? I don't think so. I mean, the whole uh, one laptop per child thing, the entire Ubuntu project was designed to give software to... Um, uh the south africa i mean that's where it all came from and so it's the same people that you're talking about here um but i just don't see that uh that this little piece of hardware is going to fill a need i mean no let me rephrase that it's not going to be the silver bullet and that's what people seem to think uh that it's going to be they look at it and go look it's cheap and you can plug it into something all right but can you actually do anything with it
1: yeah, it's that whole. It's you can do it, but why would you?
0: So, I really, I don't mean to be coming down on as anti-pie. I like pie. I enjoy mm-hmm. pie whenever possible, and I'm fond of the Raspberry Pi as a as a platform on which to build other stuff. Right? Or as a component in an overall system. I could see, you know, daisy chaining uh, dozens of Raspberry Pis into some uh, other piece of proprietary hardware or open source. Doesn't have to be proprietary. Uh, that could be really cool. But the idea of here, I'm going to um, plug in my Raspberry Pi to my HDMI uh, screen, and that's going to be the only computer I need. No. I mean, if you can afford an HDMI screen, Go get a laptop, and you get way better than the Raspberry Pi. So that's, that's sort but of then my point. But you couldn't
2: afford a uh, computer with an HDMI screen.
0: Right. So, so one that's piece that's the at thing. It's, uh, there There's so many shortcomings to the Pi that when people talk about impoverished nations and whatever, you can't do anything with the Pi out of the box. It has to be connected to other stuff. So you got to go buy that other stuff well if you're buying all that other stuff anyway buy a netbook it comes with all the other stuff for about the same amount of money that you're going to get with the pi and then buying the other stuff
2: right uh the the brief other side to that article is you could take something like citrix uh, and connect to it with pi so if you had the one big server then maybe, but again, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, Riteo, it is Riteo, cool to have more options.
0: Rateo in the chat room says that there are HDMI to VGA converters. Yes, they cost roughly three times the cost of a Raspberry Pi. That's true. So, <laughs> I, I'm sure this will get more mail. Let's see. That's it. I'm just being um, uh, controversial to get more feedback. That's my. It's my little ploy. It it worked for Howard Stern. Maybe it can work for me.
2: And Mark, your fly has, uh, came down to my neck of the woods. It is bothering me now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Seth is not clapping because he agrees with my point. He's trying to kill a fly. (laughs) All right. Uh, before we move on, uh, I need to share some news of my own that does directly affect, uh, this show and others, uh, I've discovered after long introspection that I'm really a woman trapped in a man's body. Um, and I'm going in a couple of weeks for gender reassignment surgery. And I'd like you from now on to call me Martha.
1: <laughs> really? Wow. Martha. It is this. Okay. Martha.
0: <laughs> See, there we go. Now we were saying I didn't have a nickname in the chat room. I think it just became Martha. <laughs> Yep. All right. Martha. Oh wow. <laughs> no, uh I it's it's much it's much better news than that. See, you give somebody the worst-case scenario and then when you drop the bad news on them, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. Uh this isn't really bad news. This is excellent news for me and my family. I have a new job uh as of a couple of days ago. And uh it involves me relocating to Atlanta, Georgia. So, uh two inks Two weeks hence on uh, June 15th, two weeks from the day that we're recording this. Uh, well, slightly less than two weeks is my last day at my current job. Uh, and then um, the on Monday, the following 18th, I begin my new job in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, when we're supposed to be doing this show on the, what would it be, the 17th, we ain't going to be doing this show. At least I'm not going to be doing this show uh, because I'm going to be moving to Atlanta. And then over the next uh, uh, couple of months, while I find a place to live and move my family in and do all of that, we're going to be missing shows. Uh, and then while I settle into my new job and learn all the new skills necessary with that, uh, I may have to bow out of some shows. So um, podcasting is still important to me. Uh, the Element OP Network is important to me. and. uh Uh, this show is important to me. So this is my commitment to you that I I am not going to just dump you, but I am going to be uh, unable to put in the uh, 40-plus hours a week that I have been over the last several months, at least for a while. Uh, So So
2: to quote Rachel from Friends, we're taking a break. (laughs) We
0: were on a break! Um... (laughs) So, yeah, well, there, you know, there are options. Uh, Chris and, and uh, what's your name, Seth, um, both record their stuff locally because they have bandwidth issues and I have bandwidth issues. And that every week I take their local stuff and put it together. There's no reason they couldn't continue the show without me and just send me the files and I'll edit it. Uh, we could have a guest host come in and do it. There are options that we're pursuing or we may just, you know, just stop for the summer and pick up again in August. You know, there are a couple of options there. Uh, and, we, and, you know, I need to talk with these guys and, and the host on the other show and figure out exactly what we're going to do. But, uh, you know, if, if um, over the next couple of weeks, shows don't show up in your feed, that's why. It's because I'm undergoing a major um, life transition, and, and the podcasting was just going to have to, uh, to take a back seat for a while. So that's really all I had to say about that. Any questions from uh the chat room or the or the hosts?
1: I think the hosts covered our questions pre-show, but uh you know Mark from, from Me to You, I, I wish the best for you and your family and I hope the move goes smoothly.
0: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that.
2: Congratulations, man. You're a good I wish you the best. And I I have a I have a notion in my head that's starting to turn, and it might actually be a suggestion by the time the show's over. So it's kind of percolating back there. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, and this show, I'm, you know, uh, the last several shows, we've said that, uh, you know, we were pretty light on uh, topics and that sort of thing. Um, uh, Those were heavyweights. The, yeah. The, this show... I'm sorry, I was I got distracted by the chat room. Uh, this show is... Uh, this night is another one of those. We we don't really have uh, a lot to talk about, and that's because I just didn't have the time to put in to prepare. Uh, and so hopefully these guys will be able to pick up my slack over the coming weeks. But if not, we'll just have lots of discussing random links. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not sure how that's going to work out, but, but we'll see. Um, I'm leaving education. Uh, I will be moving into the health field. Actually, Aaron... Uh, the former, uh, host on this show, I'll be working, uh, in a cubicle, not far from him, uh, on the same floor, if not in the same room. Uh, so, uh, he, he basically, he applied for the job for me before I even knew it existed. He sent them my resume and put in a recommendation and it's, uh, entirely, uh, his fault. I mean, uh, his, uh, uh, uh thanks to him. Uh, that this happened, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I will be leaving the world of education. So I don't know how that's going to affect shows that are heavily education oriented, like the Tightwad Tech, for example. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, G-Dunk in the chat room says, wait, did you switch jobs again? Uh, I, yeah, I made an out- announcement uh, almost two weeks ago now that I had another job at another uh, uh, school system and uh and that was true. I did have another job at another school system. It was a it was a good opportunity. It was a a much larger system. I it was still in it was still in Texas. I was looking at about a 3-hour daily commute on that one that I wasn't looking forward to. And then this job uh came available offering me uh an amount of money that borders on the profane. Uh and I had to take that. And uh uh so I did and and I'll be moving out of not only out of Texas, but out of education, and away from the only job I've ever had since I left college. So it's a lot of changes for me, uh, but it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens. And, and so you you will probably notice the shows uh, take a, a different slant. We'll talk less about school stuff and and more about healthcare stuff probably. But uh, it's all tech, right? Tech is tech. So uh, yeah,
2: And to, right. I want to let them know that really what happened. What happened was he couldn't stand to be away from Sean, so he was moving to get closer to Sean, and he and Sean had a big fight, so now he's running away from Sean. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> Well, if you only listen to this show, you don't know who Sean is. He's uh, my co-host on the Tightwad Tech Show and, and the partner in, in Element OP Productions, and Sean is actually the new me. He, they called him and offered him my job. So, uh, he was in Louisville where I was going to work, uh, and now he's moving to Honey Grove where I w- had been working. And so we they just we just sort of swapped there, uh, but then it turns out I pulled pulled a wrench on the whole thing. So yeah, it was it was one of those things where I I called up the comp- the school that had just offered me a job and said, hey, by the way, about that whole job thing, not so much. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, Well, you know, but that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, and I hate to say it, but education is not paying their people enough anyway. So, and if healthcare is going to pay you to keep your family fed and roof over your house, then so be it.
0: Yeah.
2: And bandwidth for your element of <laughs> yeah. empire. Don't, don't forget that. So. Yeah!
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I understand that Atlanta has uh, a really good bandwidth. So I will be able to, uh, to maybe actually finish an entire show. Uh, Bisham in the chat room says, will you be fixing the health care system? No, I will be bilking it for all it's worth. And I will be <laughs> preying on uh, uh, the, the weak and the elderly like an evil corporate type. <laughs> I'm finally living up to my Republican nature. Oh, no. Run. <laughs> And moving on from all of that so we'll we 'll move on to some of the other uh, stuff we have we 've got a lot of links for you tonight guys uh the uh, when when in doubt, just scour the web and look for interesting stuff and that 's what the guys have done so we 've got uh, uh, a number of interesting news stories, uh, a few less interesting <laughs> news stories, and hopefully we'll, uh, uh, somewhere along the way, uh, uh, call out the the good stuff. Uh, but I'm just going to begin because uh, some of our audience is all about games. We had a couple of games um, stories, and the one that is the most time-sensitive is the Humble Indie Bundle 5. Uh, four That's games, right. pay what you want. Uh, Chris, when, is, when does that end?
1: It ends in 10 days as of re- as of our recording day. So, you know, just under two weeks away. Um, right now, the total sales are around, what, $2 million? 360 sales as of right this moment. Uh, right now, if you purchase the Humble Indie Bundle, you get Amnesia, Psychonauts, Limbo, and Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. And that's for whatever price you pay. Um, I can honestly say that amnesia will scare the pants out of you, and that's why I don't have pants on. So now you know why I lost my pants. So Chris
0: finally comes out and solves the question of, does he have pants on? (laughs) The answer is no. Chris does not wear pants.
1: Thanks to the game amnesia. Um, Because it makes you forget to put them on. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I'm not going to spoil the game because this is one of those, it's an open, um, I believe it's open source game, that has been around for a long time, and this game will scare you. It is meant to be a horror game. Um, it's a horror survivalist game. So Amnesia is a great one. Um, On to the next one, Psychonauts, a classic game from the PlayStation, e- or from the PlayStation Airs. Um, that one is one of those games where it starts out nice and easy, and it, it lulls you into this easy sense of, that you're going to kick the crap out of the game. And then about towards the last probably 15, 20, you know, last probably five hours of the game, the difficulty turns into a monster wall that you have to try and scale. It's very, very difficult, very fun, very strange, um, but another great game. Limbo is one of those games where it's a strategy puzzle game. You have to try and figure your way through a maze to get back to real life, and you play as an all-dark player with white eyes so it's kind of another one of those horror type games um they have some really weird twists and puzzles um just to kind of give you a little teaser about one of the puzzles that's early in the game so you don't lose too much there's a rope and a bear trap and you have to figure out how to get the bear trap to help you up the rope
0: so you stand on it you spring it and it throws you up
1: no because the bear trap will kill you It's, it's one of those, it's a fun little game. It's not horribly difficult. Um, but it definitely makes you think while you're playing. Uh, there is no life system. So you can die as many times as you want. Um, I, the last (laughs) time I checked,
0: there's a good title for the show. You can die as many times as you want. (laughs) Um, true to life.
1: But you know, limbo is one of those, it's been a classic game. It's been around for you know a couple of years. It's not very, I shouldn't say classic, but it's a good little game. Um, the Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. I personally have never played this one until it came out in the Humble Indie Bundle. Uh, I still don't know what to think of it. Uh, I played about 15 minutes of it before I left this morning, so yeah, I it's old schoolish, very pixelated, uh supposedly really fun. Now comes the ex the extra part. If you pay more than the average which as of today at this recording time is $7.86, you unlock another indie game called Bastion. Uh, I've bought Bastion before um, through the Steam Network, and it's an excellent adventure game. Um, I've already played through it twice, going on my third third roll around. It's a fun game, and it's very difficult, and you will sweat bullets trying to get through some of the challenges. Um, but a very fun game. The nice thing about them all, when you pay for the Humble Indie Bundle, you're donating to the EFF charity and the Child's prey charity. So even if you don't play the games, you know, donate to the charities.
0: Yeah, and this is one of those things where uh, time after time after time, uh, Linux users have given more money uh, than Windows or Mac users. And let's keep that up. I I, we, I nope. want the, I want to set that uh, precedent and keep it going.
1: Yeah, I, I will agree with that. Um, my purchase, just so everyone knows, my donation for this time around was twenty five dollars. Um, I would have done more, but bad time of the year for me to do more. But yeah, um, definitely, if you're going to donate to a good project, here's a good one.
0: And staying right in the uh, the gaming wheelhouse, uh, according to Seth, video games rule the world. What's up with that one?
2: Uh well this this is actually kind of a funny story that the BBC when they were covering the conflict in Syria last
0: week <laughs> oh, in, yeah. we talked about this using, on the periodic table this week this is hilarious yeah
2: instead of using the logo for the United Nations they used the logo from the United Nations Space Command has seen in the games Halo <laughs> uh, they have since corrected the mistake but I just think it's kind of cool that you know wow. I don't know what the UN logo looks like, so let's Google UN. And oh, this one looks cool. Well, and no, it turns out it's for the game Halo.
0: Let's give them a little more credit than that. They were looking specifically for the United Nations Security uh, Council. Uh, so uh, the the UN Security Council. So they Googled UNSC for United Nations Security Council, and what came up with UNSC was this. But I want you all, I want listeners to try this experiment. Experiment. Go to Google Images search. Type in UNSC and see what comes up. You will find the logo they used. You will also find images of warthogs and of wraiths and of Master Chief's armor. And so, whatever low level intern did this just didn't even bother to look. It was like, oh, there's a logo. That looks official. Let's go.
2: Or they may, who knows? Maybe they got paid a lot of money to do it. It's all viral marketing these days. So. But anyway, I thought it was a funny story when I read it, and I wanted to pass it along to our listening audience.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so if see- you d- if you do that search, like I said, I think the first, the fourth uh, item over, uh, maybe maybe uh, de- depending on your search, it may be different. Uh, is this logo? But you have to scroll past guys in spacesuit armor and um, uh, what what are some of the some of the some of the co- covenant weapons and things to get to it. So <laughs> just it's funny. It's it's perfect periodic table fodder.
1: Oh
2: that's yeah. awesome. Well, you
0: know. Yeah. And moving right along, uh, let's talk about a cyber attack. Uh the new flame attack that's that's been hitting Iran. Uh, this is something still not a lot is known about this one, but uh it's they're saying th- like the most advanced uh Piece of malware uh, ever created. Uh, it's modular. It includes with it the, a SQLite database for data collection. Um, it's it's clearly designed for espionage, with, without any without any doubts, uh, and probably designed by a government uh, to to give uh, to infest other governments with. But uh, it's a pretty cool thing if you're into that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's it's on one hand it's really scary because it's from and of course they don't know but they they think I was I read several articles on this and the people analyzing the code seem to think the people who wrote it uh spoke and wrote in English as opposed to like I guess where English is their primary language but it's it's kind of scary in that you know the one nation is attacking another through the cyberspace but at the same time it's kind of cool to see what they can do so it's one of those it's kind of scary cool um it was first i think submitted to uh Kasparov and then, you know, of course, McAfee chimes in at Webroot, and they have quotes from everybody um, and even Semantic. They think it was, it's ever the consensus is that it was engineered by the United States or Israel, and its main purpose is to slow or stop the uh, Iran uh, nuclear project. So,
0: and evidence, kind of, evidence is that it's been around since 2007 and has evaded detection until 2012.
2: Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a, you know, wow. Think about that. Five years. So
1: that's, that's a crazy. Long time I like how it's saying Broadway. that there, it's it's taking chunks of, it's kind of like suck, Sucks Neck and, um, what was the other one? Doobie or DQ or? Dooku. Do- Dooku. Dooku. From, yeah. Uh, uh, I like it It'd be interesting to see how it's, um, how the two code lines would match if you compared them to, you know, the original ones that they think they came from, the the Sucksnet and Dooku. Um, It'd be, I would like to see the analogy between the two.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. G Duncan in the chat room says that uh, things are modified to appear old. They don't really know how old it is, but doing a search of the internet archive found uh, pieces of this in pages back as far as 2007. So they know it's at least that old. So it's 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 really cool. It's a you can't say what it does because it can be told to do different things. It downloads different modules, it reprograms itself on the fly. Uh, so if if it finds itself on, uh, you know, a, a high ranking uh, head of state computer, it can then be told to become a keystroke logger and start uh, sending things back. If it finds itself on a computer running a nuclear reactor, it be- can become, uh, you know, something designed to mess with their software. So it it's entirely uh, modular and adaptive and very cool.
1: Well, if you like being on that black side of the things, but you know that that just brings up another question: Why is it is it still in the wild? Are we killing it now? Um, Do all the major people that disinfect computers know about it? Um, Well, apparently they know know how to
0: spot it now, and they're working on uh, ways to clean it. Uh, Kaspersky was the first to find it, and they know how to find it now, and they've shared at least parts of it. Yeah, parts of it. They know how to find evidence of it, but they haven't discovered all of it yet. They're having to uh, um, reverse engineer the code. Uh, you know, t- it's it's compiled code, code, and they're have to, having to decompile it and, and uh, sort through it. Uh, but they have an idea uh, of ways to detect it now, and they're working on cleaning up uh, procedures.
2: Yeah, the the article uh, I read said that you know uh, apparently data would just disappear off of machines. And you know, it's not—it's not like the hard drives would crash. It's just all of a sudden data was gone off of this machine, and then yeah, a secure data, wipe took place. Yeah. So, uh, but not apparently a total wipe, just a portion. And um, you know, because if the whole thing's wiped out, you restore from backup. But if only a piece is gone and you don't notice it, then you throw away the good backups because you're saving the old. But it's—it's just—it was an interesting story, and there was. I found maybe just a half a dozen links and they all said basically the same thing. So we have in the chat room now, one that I thought is kind of a good article. And if you click on it, it shows you and you care. There's like similar articles you can go to and learn all about flame. There was a great quote about, um, the flamer virus, uh, attacking the internet, which was, I, wish I, I wish I could remember the quote I saw, because it was it was kind of a funny quote.
0: Um, it posts incendiary comments in YouTube channels all across the world. Uh, and sticking with measuring stuff, uh, Cisco says that the uh, global internet traffic uh, will pass one zetabyte in 2016. Now, what is a zetabyte, Seth?
2: A zetabyte is one sextillion bytes, or one billion terabytes. Uh, if you think of the progression, you go kilobyte, megabyte, gigabyte, terabyte. Probably very much everybody knows what a terabyte is. And then you go petabyte, then exabyte, and then you get to zetabyte. So one billion terabytes. Um, sorry, I don't have a good Austin Powers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one billion
0: terabytes. Um and uh I, estimates uh, are that uh, uh of that one zettabyte of data 9.9 zettabytes or uh, or 0.99 zettabytes of it will be spam and pop-ups.
2: No, no. <laughs> point, the 9.9 uh, nine will be porn and then point oh 0.09 will be spam <laughs> <and> pop-ups. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> G. Duncan, I'll, ever, ever the the vigilant says, don't forget the porn. You can tell what's important to not only our audience but our hosts here. See, I was trying to go the high road and make a make a oh. different joke there, but no, no, they had to go straight to the porn.
1: Well, we I was uh, going to go Netflix, truth. but okay, <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> Netflix.
0: No, Netflix is a flash in the pan compared to porn. I'm sure of it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: you know we we want to be truthful here at the Element LP Network, so.
0: So that's a lot of data flying back and cro- uh, back and forth across the copper and the fiber, uh, you know. And and Chris, you get what uh, one tenth of a megabyte of that uh, there,
1: something like that. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Oh. I would really appreciate some some money up towards Montana way so we can get some more bandwidth.
2: <laughs> you know, you should move closer to Bozeman because a lot of people call Bozeman like the Silicon Silicon Valley of the Midwest. Apparently, there's a big tech industry and startup money flowing into bozeman montana i was oh
1: yeah my little brothers live there uh-huh. bozeman is hopping there's uh, you can't find places to live even if you want to unless you're a college kid really yeah it's wow. swamped up there and with the oil boom in north dakota we're getting a lot of over, so yeah it's crazy
2: well let see if the money's there the bandwidth will follow the money so uh You'll get some
1: <laughs> if we're lucky.
0: I would love to uh, break up this digression, but honestly, we don't have anything better. So you guys just keep going. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll sorry. Talk a- about the Fedora project a little bit. Fedora 17 Beefy Miracle is rolling out. <laughs> Uh, Yes. And clearly uh, Fedora is uh, making fun of Ubuntu and their alliterative animal names uh, with Fedora 17 beefy miracle, which is interesting because Fedora has been the uh, the uh, suit and tie of open source linux distributions for a long time now uh because they feed into fedora and fedora is sort of the uh main corporate guy but uh, to come out with beefy miracle and, and if you go to i think it's beefymiracle.org there's this whole uh contrived history of where beefy miracle came from and why it's called that and it's uh you know it's a uh, what, uh, like a hot dog wrapped in beef or something. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. But uh, they're, they're going to uh, measure things based in the amount of mustard in, across a bar graph or something. It's, it's, it's weird.
2: I love the quote yeah. by Robert Bergeron. He says, at the heat of a thousand hot dog cookers, the 17th release of Fedora <laughs> shall be forged by contributors the world over. And it will be known as Beefy Miracle. The mustard shall indicate progress. I mean, come on! Could you imagine Steve Ballmer or whatever the Apple guy name is now? <laughs> could you imagine them saying something like this? <laughs> um, at, at the heart, at the heart of a, a, th- a thousand hot dog cooker, you know, it just it wouldn't ring as funny. I just, <laughs> I, you know,
0: it's, it's awesome that they're uh, they're finally saying, "Yeah, we're not like other people." And let's let's just go ahead and a minute. Because Fedora is not like anybody else. It's it's not like Debian. It's not like uh, SUSE. It's 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 unique unto itself. And there aren't thousands of people just uh, uh, jumping to make derivatives of it, like there are uh, or Debian and Ubuntu. Uh, so finally, they just sort of decided to wear, fly their freak flag, and say we are different, and we accept that.
2: I, and I, I all love the quote. For it, it. I had to laugh. So.
0: And and what does our Fedora ambassador have to say about the Beefy Miracle?
1: Are we going into the review then or are we going to wait till later?
0: Um, I don't care. Uh there's a lot more stuff but let's just go ahead and, and jump to the review cuz we're at 45 okay. minutes already.
1: <laughs> um my review on Beefy Miracle is that it's a a really good release so far from my week of testing on it. Um I moved to it I think it released Tuesday, so Tuesday afternoon I was running it. Um, As far as the KDE interface goes, because I haven't tested anything else, it's solid. Um, Even the graphics, the native graphics driver for my NVIDIA card was very solid. Um, There was some graphical artifacting, so I had to move up to the NVIDIA card. Um, But man, this thing is rock solid. It hasn't hiccuped at all. Um, I know, Mark, you hate SE Linux, but This is the first time I've actually ran into a couple of blurps where SC Linux actually stopped me from doing something. Uh, One was changing the SSH port. Uh, It wanted me to run a code in order to get that to change. But, man, I am impressed with Beefy Miracle. Um, The only thing I have yet to test is to see how well the virtual machine integration has come up for the KVM system. 16 was a big release for that. 17 was supposed to clear up a lot of the little hiccups and glicks that they had. Um, and so hopefully that they, the virtual machine will be the mustard on the beefy hot dog. Or the, not the mustard, because mustard's the progress. So this would be the relish of the beefy hot dog.
0: So have they done anything uh, about GNOME 3 or have they left it stock with just GNOME Shell or what? Because GNOME 3, the last time we talked about Fedora, we pretty much uh, slammed fedora largely because of gnome 3 uh has it uh, matured significantly
1: um that's going to be this week i'm going to actually install uh a gnome 3 onto the machine and see what gnome 3 actually boils into um so did
0: you you just you installed the gnome 2 version because that's not stock I,
1: no i install I, I just installed kde
0: okay so you did the kde version which yeah yep. so you had to, you had to go into a special uh part of the setup to do that right that's not what it does uh, you, by default
1: You have to grab the DVD version. And if you grab the DVD version, you can install any desktop interface that you want. Um, But, you know, I've been a KDE lover for a long, long time. So I figured I might as well stick with my my true love and keep moving with the KDE's mustard and relish, so to speak. Um, Yeah, I, I just can't wave my Fedora flag any higher for this release. This is a really good one. If you're looking to switch to Fedora or you want to play with it, is the one to try.
0: And tell me why someone would switch to Fedora. Let's say you're a Mint user, which we've oft recommended on the show, and we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Uh, what would compel me to switch from Mint, uh, what is it, Mint, 7, Mint 13, whatever 15. it is now, to Fedora 17? Cinnamon! <laughs>
1: I would say, let me try and think, let me think. Um, the first reason I would suggest is their integration with the KVM hypervisor that's built into the system. You know, a lot of things, oh, the KVM system is released publicly. You know, it's an open source project, but Fedora keeps a little bit of special sauce back. That you, and If you don't have it, you can't do like the NAT routing easily. Um, You have to know the extra little glitches and switches to enable that. You also have to know how to set up um, the USB 2.0 drivers in Mint. And you don't have to do that in Fedora. They're all on by default. And there's no editing of config files. That's the biggest one I would say. If, If you're playing Fedora, that would be the way to go. The only hiccup with Fedora is their lack of support for... Um, windows codecs you have to know how to install them on their own um which is a drawback for a lot of people but there are plenty of how to's and quick fixes um i I will give a a shout out to the danger mouse guy he has a great um installer thing that does all of the the anything you could think of for the after install for fedora his little Click a button and say "Okay" is just outstanding, and it it it's the only way I would say to install Flash or Skype or any of those things into Fedora. It works brilliantly every time.
0: Okay. Now I'm yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, Fedora, but I'm not a hater of Fedora either. It just it is what it is. Uh, what is it that has inspired such great love of Fedora for you, so so much so that you're a Fedora ambassador?
1: For me, you know, a lot of it was, it started up because I was trying to find a Linux install that would work on my, at the system of the time. I couldn't get anybody to install. Uh, OpenSUSE failed. And then so did uh, De- Debian at the time. Uh, the, there were just so many hiccups with the hardware. And Fedora installed first time and worked perfectly. Um, so that started me again on Fedora. After many years of being away from it, you know the community. For me, once you get in, you know, and, and not just, and you're not no longer one of those guys that is just the question guy. If you actually get into the community and start helping, you know, there's guys in there that'll bend over backwards to help you. They'll they'll, they'll literally give their their shirt off your back off their back. Um, I really like the community.
0: Literally, they will literally give you their shirt. Or they will Um, figuratively give you their shirt?
1: I would say figuratively. Um, (laughs) I would have to meet some of the guys in person again to see if they would actually give me their shirt. But uh, they did send me two shirts for me to have and another four to give away when I first signed up for being an ambassador. So I would say maybe both.
0: And let's face it. You don't want to see the average Linux geek without a shirt on. So let's not test that.
1: Definitely not. (laughs) The link I just sent to the chat room, and I'll put it in our show notes, is to the um, auto plus for installing all the extra goodies for Fedora. Um, The thing is just, it's all inclusive, basically. So if you're looking on how to install something, that would be the the tool to use.
0: Okay, anything else to say about Fedora 17? Give
1: it a spin. Give it a spin. And if you don't like it, try the other spins. I'm sure you will. You will.
0: Try the Beefy Miracle for yourself. Beefy Miracle! Your money back is guaranteed. We will refund every penny you pay for it if you don't like it. (laughs) Twice. So uh, the other uh, big OS that's, well, yeah, big-ish OS that dropped recently is uh, Mint. Uh, Let's talk about the minty goodness. Ready, go.
2: Well, I installed... um you know, I did not like the latest version of Ubuntu because it kept screwing up with my wireless driver. And, you know, I wanted something that just works. I mean, if I wanted to hunt for drivers all over, you know, the Internet, I would just put Windows on my machine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, but yeah, so I, I try I gave Linux Mint a go and I use Drive linux to uh to get a usb stick because honestly i couldn't afford to keep buying cds and dude that it was easy and i put it on here and i installed it and all everything works out of the box which if you're coming from a windows background you know which is our theoretical you know holy grail customer um you're you're pleasantly surprised because you don't have to install drivers for everything. That's a big deal for me. Wireless works. You know, I have all the graphic options available. It comes with, like, product productivity software out of the box. And, you know, there's more and more stuff available on the web. So when you launch Firefox on a uh, Linux Mint box, it's the same thing as launching Firefox on uh, in Windows. So you come up, you can put your plugins in, and you're looking at it. Um, If like, okay, I know where Windows things are in the control panel and all that. And I'm able to go into settings through uh, here and I can find and I can I can change the display. I can add stuff. It's just it's really nice. It's I liked I you before Unity, I really liked Ubuntu's ability to do that. And Unity was great for a netbook. But um, this is just, you know, I, I don't I don't really have a big official review, but I like it. It, it works. My, my tablet, um, I have an old net book. It has a stylus on it. It recognizes my stylus. I can use my stylus, uh, if I so choose, or, you know, I can use my fingernail, whichever one works. Um, so it installed my touch drivers. It, it works out of the box. So if you want an OS that works out of the box and doesn't cost you an arm and a leg, give Linux Man a try.
0: And as I feel compelled to mention every time we talk about uh, mint, some of that out-of-the-boxedness also makes it of questionable legality in the U.S. They package things that cannot be packaged. Uh, For example, Flash and those Windows Codecs. Those are all things that you're allowed to go download, but you cannot distribute, and they distribute it because uh, where they are, uh, forget the country they are in, uh, it is legal. Uh, So they're not breaking any laws, and you're... um, you may or may not be breaking any laws by downloading it. Uh, But
2: you know how easy that is to become a distributor of Flash? It's really pretty easy. Um, I wanted to, uh, I looked into it when I was at one of the school districts, and I basically went online and filled out a form, and all of a sudden, the school district I worked at was an authorized distributor of Adobe Flash. So, you know, it it wasn't like it was a, a hard thing to do. I don't know if they've done that or not, but um,
0: the last time I looked at the mint documentation, they they said pretty much outright that they had not gone to any effort to to legalize what they were doing, because in their country, it's not illegal the the for whatever reason so uh they say you know download at your own risk and and again i don't think any you know atf agents are going to come storm your compound uh but you, you just need to be aware that if you're a hyper moral individual uh you you may not be within the 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 fully uh compliant Code of operations uh, by do by downloading Mint and that's that's the only reason I don't I take Ubuntu and I make it Mint like uh, but th- with the newest version the uh, uh, Maya version right or Maya Maya I don't know uh, has two version it has the Cinnamon version or the Mate version and yes I, I will respond to the some feedback we got on the website uh, that said uh, it is not made as Mate okay duly noted. Um, but I can't say mate without thinking of Bloodsport and Jean-Claude Van Damme, so I'm going to continue to call it mate.
2: <laughs> mate. His, his best movie, unfortunately.
0: So uh. <laughs> that, that doesn't say much. I don't know. I think Time Cop was better.
1: Well, yeah, a lot. Time Cop was good.
0: It wasn't a lot better. It was a you know a six on a scale of ten. But I think that was probably the peak of wow, Van Damme's. He Uh, You wouldn't even give it a six? Is that what you said? No. That was the Uh, peak of his
2: acting ability. But I just, the fight, I like the, they're really, they didn't even try much of a plot in Bloodsport. they just like, let's show a bunch (laughs) of matches and, hey, we got this guy that can jump around like a monkey. (laughs) Let's throw him in
0: there. Uh, That's a good point. There was like just enough plot to give you enough time to go get popcorn in between the fight scenes. Yeah. That's really all that movie was. And for but anyway, Van Damme, so,
2: that's all you need. You know, you him acting is a stretch. <laughs> yeah. So that's but why I, it's I a think better there
0: movie. was a uh, butt shot for the ladies in that one. I think so. Uh, so that uh, they covered that one. He he was fond of butt shots there for a while. Uh, actually, everybody was. in like in the eight, eight, late eighties, early nineties, yeah. every movie had a moonlit butt shot. I don't know what that's about, but. Uh, um. <laughs> Wow. The, 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 way, the things we descend to. I'm swatting a fly in my, so I'm not flailing madly. I don't have mad cow disease if you're watching on, on the no. live video. Uh, there's, a, there's a fly <laughs> and a moth roughly the size of a city bus, both competing to see who can annoy me the most here in my studio. <laughs> Mastra. So, Seth, did you try Aye. the did you try the mate version or the cinnamon version?
2: No, I tried the cinnamon because I'm more of a spicy kind of guy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, cinnamon. <laughs> it, I don't know why. That's just the one I chose, and uh, that's what's on here, and it's rocking my netbook. My netbook is still sexy, so.
0: Now, I'm trying to remember. I'm pulling this out of my uh, vast recesses of my deep, dark brain. Uh, The Mate edition is uh, to graft Gnome 2 goodness on top of Gnome 3. And Cinnamon is an entirely new UI uh, comparable to, but as a replacement of uh, the... uh, I just blanked on what Ubuntu... Is calling theirs Unity. Uh, what is Unity? Unity UI. So it's a it's an entirely different UI uh, built on top of GNOME Three. Does that sound right?
2: Uh, I don't know. I just I installed sentiment. <laughs> so that- <laughs> we'll we'll call that oh, true okay. because
0: you know I'm sure I'm sure we'll get a voicemail telling me I'm wrong and that's okay or not. telling should
1: get send us voicemail. Come on, call us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, anything else to say about Linux Mint from either of you? No.
1: I haven't used the newest one, so I'm a mute right now. The one
0: thing I don't
2: like about both uh, Ubuntu and Mint is whenever you choose to, like, you know, they want you to, when you install it, they want you to be connected online. And the freaking language packs, which, you know, maybe in the metropolis of commerce or where you're headed in Atlanta, those won't take long. But in my house, it took two hours to download the language packs. So... um, you know, I'm like, couldn't I just chose the one language pack I wanted, and just get on with the install? So, uh, you know, I was up late that night anyway, and I was just like, I want to play with it. I don't want to watch it do this. So, anyway, that's my that's my beef about the uh, Ubuntu and its derivatives, such as uh, Linux Mint, is that?
0: Yeah, I would like to see a DVD version. Of of Mint and of Ubuntu that has everything on it, you know the Fedora. Why the Fedora is, I think it's a two DVD version, isn't it, Chris? No, there's two different. No, ones? There's
1: only, no, it's one. Well, there's the one DVD and that gives you all the desktop environments and the standard installs for most Linux people that you know. that But you can then there's a customized button where you can actually add a um, online repository. Okay. And download even more if you want it. Yeah. But yeah, if you're running the DVD, you rock it right away. I mean, there is no wait. Um, I think when I installed it at on my work test machine, um, I installed Fedora 17 and updated it in like an hour.
0: And I can hear somebody in the audience saying, well, there's no difference between downloading all the stuff on the DVD uh, that you may not need and downloading the stuff as you need it on uh, Ubuntu or, or Mint. But I would disagree. There is a difference. The difference is when you go to download a DVD, you just throw it in your queue and forget about it. Right. When you're installing an OS, that requires you to be at the computer, and it, it's pretty much tying up your whole machine for a while. Yeah, because – So it's yep. – Yeah, go ahead. Well it's it's not that the overall the overall bandwidth is probably less doing it the ubuntu way, the debian way. Uh but the the uh, attention required by the user is more.
2: Yeah, cuz like sometimes I will set like if I'm going to download an ISO, I might start my computer up first thing in the morning, hit download and then I'm off to work. Whereas if I try to install, you know, two minutes into the install, there's this button. Do you want us to choose A or B? It really won't affect your system, but we're not going to do anything until you make this choice. And they put several of those (laughs) throughout the install process. So you can't leave it alone and come back later. And, you know, and Hey, if I had gig to the desktop, I honestly wouldn't care. Just give me the boot up installer, but I don't, I live out in the sticks and, you know, I'm lucky if I get my full 256 so downloading you know it seemed like it seemed like I was downloading a zettabyte but it was probably (laughs) it was probably but it was a it was a lot it was it was a lot of data for something that can't I just cancel out of this and make it an optional update or something but it wouldn't
0: so and now, Uber Geek in the chat room says that Mint ate his install, part- his Windows uh, install partition, and and yeah, if you just accept the defaults on Mint or or Ubuntu or any of those, it'll wipe everything out. You have to go in and do the advanced option if you want to save that, and sometimes even that can be misleading.
2: Yeah, and I didn't. I uh, or, pa-
1: or very painful to do.
0: It's the
2: only thing on my machine, so I I gave up dual booting. A while back and on my netbook, you know, I guess about the time I got a good laptop, I was like, I don't want to keep windows on this thing. So,
0: (laughs) well, I think we'll move on and go ahead and wrap things up and move on to our tips of the week. Uh, We've given uh, Ubuntu or excuse me, Fedora their time and mint their time. And so uh, let's just move on. Uh, Chris, Mr. Command Line Godfather, what is our command line tip of the week?
1: Well, as as of the same as last week, um, I figured I'd just start adding some more sprinkling of switches and and some spices to your command line to make you a little more effective. Today is yum because it's a Fedora command, and everyone, if you're using Fedora, you should know what yum is. Yum is the command line version of your in, your app installer, like apt. Um, well, pseudo. The one that g- I really like about right in in Fedora though, it's s u hyphen c single quote whatever you want to do so it, it's a, it's a little more drawn out um, but uh, I really like the yum command I'm a big fan of yum uh, there was a, a list of do you like appkit or yum over on LinkedIn and I was like well I like yum um, I'd much prefer to use yum over anything else but the one command the one switch that I really like is called group list. So you go yum, group list, and it lists out all these groups of software that you can install with just going yum, group install, uh, KDE. And it'll install your entire KDE desktop with just that little command. Same thing with if you want to go to GNOME 3 or um, if you want to install the web servers, you can just do yum, group list, or group install, uh, web, and it installs all your HTTP packages that you need. There's just there's a ton of those groups in Fedora that are one type away, and you get them installed. And yum group list introduces you to all of them.
0: I didn't know about that, so I'm assuming there's one for like a lamp server. So you could do yum install lamp, and it'll give you Apache, MySQL, PHP, and all that yep. sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure which one it is off the top of my head. Uh, I think that's the web. Yum group install web, and you get a lamp server. Off of it that's
2: pretty that's cool. cool that is cool
1: yeah it, it's one of those commands that nobody really knows about but it's one that once you realize it's there you're like oh my god why did i ever do yum something else before in my life and i don't <laughs> think there's anything like that in app i don't think you can do an app get group list can you
0: I think YUM is superior to APT in most ways, uh, and I wish, in fact, I've seen uh, graphs of YUM for Debian uh, in Ubuntu, but uh, I really think, and uh, YUM stands for Yellow Dog Updater Modified, so it was uh, originally for Yellow Dog Linux and the RP, uh, Red Hat took it over that's how old it is uh, oh, yeah. and, and really made it to their thing even over their rpm red hat package manager they they it's still there but they run yum alongside uh, rpm and, and even uh, in their documentation prefer it uh, so it's a, it's a great updater. It's, uh, I think it's better than app Get. It's probably, uh, similar to synaptic in a lot of ways. Uh, but it's purely command line. It's not going to be a software center for the GUI people out there.
2: That's why I'm right. not the using it. The other thing guess. I
1: noticed about yum, the, the other thing I've known, I've noticed about yum in my, my time of using it, it recovers from like, let's say you lose your network in the middle of an update. It recovers better than app get does. Um, I, at least in my experience, I've had a couple of, of AppKit installs that the, the network dropped out in the middle of installing, and it just died, where Yum went, oh, wait, let me roll back and let you reinstall all those packages again. Nice. With just a, with just a simple command. It was like, Yum, Uh, let me try to think here. It was Yum something. It was like, Yum re. Ah, I can't remember it off the top of my head. I've only had to use it a couple of times. And it was like, really, I can just resume this right where I left it? Even if it's in the middle of installing packages, if the machine drops, if it dies, you can recover from packages, in my experience.
0: That's cool. All right, Seth, what is our, uh, command, excuse me, end user tip of the
2: week. Well, I have a really good website for you. It is called dealnews.com, D-E-A-L-N-E-W-S.com. And it's just a website you go to and find news, uh, about deals for all kinds of things. This is not just for electronics and computers, but you can do clothing, you can do travel, um, all kinds of stuff, um. I just thought it was pretty cool. I I came on. I was um, I was just looking up the price of. I don't even remember what I was looking up the price of. And um, uh, one of the links was Deal News, and I was like, I've never seen this site before, so. And it, it tells you, like, whenever you go in and select a device, it will kind of give you a history of, this is the best deal we've seen by $7 today and is $3.50 cheaper than our previous best. So it kind of tells you if this is a historically good deal or if maybe now is not the best time to buy a product. And if, if it tells you that, you know, you need to go to this website and use a, and use a code, it'll give you that code as well. So uh, it is dealnews.com. You can do an RSS feed or you can just go to it and search for stuff that you want to. Uh, I thought it was a really great way to save money. I know uh, budgets are tight for a lot of people. Um, dealnews.com for, your, uh, for the tight wad in you.
0: Dealnews.com, where every day is Black Friday. There you go. That's free voiceover for you there, Deal News. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And that wraps up the show. So this is the part where we tell you how to contact us. If you want to leave us a voicemail, like Mr. Gadgets and Door-to-Door Geek uh, both did, uh, you can do that either from our website. uh, That apparently works perfectly with uh, mobile devices. I'll tell you my secret to that. I went to Google uh, Documentation and copied and pasted what they said to put on the web page. So those people who are missing it, uh, they're not doing that. Um, you can go to our website, click the leave us a voicemail button. Google Voice will call you. You don't even have to place the call, uh, and you can leave us a voicemail. Or if you're just a phone guy, you're out and about and want to make the call, that number is 559 am op Put it in your speed dial, as I'm sure we are on doors, and anytime you hear something he disagrees with, uh, no, that he doesn't disagree with, he never disagrees. He just gives a different spin on it. Uh, you uh, hit the speed dial button and then it calls 559-IM-OP. There's also email that's edl at everydaylinux, excuse me, edl at uh, com. So uh, that will send it to uh, all of us here on the show. Uh, or you can just use the contact us up button at the top of elementop.com. That goes to me and I forward it on. So there you go, all the ways you can contact us. Also, Facebook and Twitter, just search Element Opie. Uh, we've got the Google juice after a couple of uh, years of doing this. Uh, you're going to find us within the top couple of links. So uh, we encourage your feedback. Keep the show topics coming because we are lame and can't come up with them on their own.
2: Oh Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Chris isn't sorry I said that. He's just sorry I admitted what was true.
1: That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry that we, we're we late and we have a hard time coming up with show notes, but that that's a good point for you guys. Send some. We always will do it, or at least we'll try. So send some more show notes. There
0: we go. And, uh, and I've given tips before on what makes a, a good show note, and it's not how do I install – uh, gnome 2.0.1.6 on my hp 3500 uh when i only have x installed and not y no that's that's, that's not a, a that's a help re- request not a show topic
2: and that's a short <laughs> show topic because we'll say let me google that for you.com and
0: uh, <laughs> But we do have a section uh, in our forums over at elementopi.com that people aren't using. It's called the Community Help Desk. That's where you post that sort of stuff, and all the community will gather together, and we will solve your problem for you. Uh, that's specifically what that's for, if you have a specific question. But if you have a, something that you think is of general interest, suggest it as a show topic, and we will be happy to cover it. Well, maybe not happy, but we'll do it anyway. And
1: we'll do we'll, our we'll best. We'll be
2: happy for the suggestion options. anyway.
0: Yes. And whatever we do, we do our best, or as good as we feel like doing at that time. So <laughs>
2: it, it might be our best with no preparation, but it is our best.
0: Thank you for listening. Chris, Seth, thanks for being with us. And I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Likes.
2: Y'all come back now, you hear?